Hey, Mason. You've been talking a lot lately about something you call flow state. It sounds kind of new age, hippy-dippy kind of stuff, and I don't understand, what does it have to do with photography? Well, you know those times, Jeff, where you're out making photos and the light is inspiring, and you're living in the moment, everything just seems to come together and you lose track of time? You become immersed in the creative process, it's just you and your camera, and it feels really, really good? Well, that's flow state. Oh, okay. I, I love when that happens, but it doesn't always happen. It's not something you can control, is it? Yeah, it is something you can control. It only happens when several things converge. So we have complete control over that. It seems really discombobulated. So maybe we should break this flow state down into bite-sized pieces. Sounds like it's time to photocombobulate. Oh, indeed it is, my friend. Welcome to Photocombobulate. So many aspects of photography, cameras, locations, gear, weather, can be complicated and discombobulated. We're having conversations about all of the things that make the photographic process satisfying. And we're making them easy to understand. I'm Jeff Carlson. And I'm Mason Marsh. So, Mason, one of the things that I love about this topic is that it really encompasses what we're trying to do with this podcast. We're going to talk about gear. We're going to talk about all these sorts of things. But I love that uh, this flow state discussion kind of puts everything under a big umbrella and a, a philosophy, if you will, of approaching photography. Because, I mean, I know that when I started as a photographer, I didn't have a philosophy. I just went out to go look for pretty pictures and see if I could make my camera work right. And as I've been a photographer over the years and taken many more photos, there have definitely been times when I've been in what I think is is something like this flow state where I'm just really focused, but it seems fleeting. It's like the thing that you hope happens when you're out and the the sky is perfect or the your your subject is cooperating your camera is working and it just seems like like this wonderful yet random thing and so when we started talking about this episode you're like no 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 there's this whole flow state idea that you can exercise some control over this you can improve the chances of of getting into this this pleasurable uh, photographic state. So, uh, I mean, I think I think you're probably going to be directing most of this, and I'm going to be the, the the student saying hit hit me with what you've got because some of the stuff that we've talked about before, I, I have a little bit of a grasp on, but I want to know more. Tell me, tell me. Yeah, this is a topic, Jeff. That the more I learn about it, the more exciting it is because it puts into context a lot of things that I've experienced as a photographer and just didn't know uh, what was happening. I didn't really understand. You know, there have been several times, like you mentioned, where I've been out and it just seemed like everything lines up right to make the experience incredibly satisfying. And that is probably why I keep going out and making more photos. I, you know, you and I both, we don't make a living by selling our photographs. And so the motivation behind our photography is self-satisfaction. And um, I think that's 
you know, probably how most photographers are, is it's something that we do to be good at something, to find pleasure in something that you're good at that's challenging is, I think it's one of these things that is a kind of peak human condition, if you will. Uh, I went to a concert this weekend, Jeff, and I watched these musicians play and it was the best concert I've ever seen. It was absolutely amazing. And I was watching these people play music and I they were definitely in the flow state, right? They were Mm -hmm. uh, doing stuff that was incredibly difficult. They seemed to be having an absolute ball and it sounded amazing. It taps into this sort of emotional space in us. And, and it was just really an, an, a a strong experience. And I think that uh, when we talk about flow state in regards to photography, it helps to, to have this as a context as we grow as photographers to sort of have a reference point, a map, if you will. So I want to step back for a second though, and just talk about where this idea of flow state came from, because it's not my idea. I didn't, didn't come up with this. It was created by a, uh, a scientist, a researcher at the university of Chicago. His name is uh, Dr. Mikhail Csikszentmihalyi, which is, I hope I'm saying that right. It's a big name. Um, he started coming up with these theories about, um, sort of human performance. And he studied a lot of uh, elite athletes and uh, very successful people in their various fields. And he started seeing some commonalities in their times where they were at their very best. And so he built this framework that he eventually dubbed as um, flow state. And it's really, really uh, amazing because when you start looking at what makes flow state happen in the human brain, what, what sort of sets all this going is it's this meeting of challenge and skill. And there's a graph that I would, that we're going to share in the show notes. Um, it's definitely something you want to look at, but I can describe it. So if you picture this basic graph where there's a vertical axis and a horizontal axis, the vertical axis is challenge and the horizontal axis is skill or skill level. Um, if we divide this uh, graph into segments, sort of like a pie. Um, the one that's in the bottom corner where we would have the lowest amount of challenge and the lowest amount of skill. Um, when we're faced with a situation like that, where we don't know what we're doing and we don't have the skills to tackle whatever challenge, but the challenge isn't that great. We just don't care. It's apathy. And so that little segment of the graph is apathy. As the challenge becomes more, uh, intense as the challenge becomes larger or bigger, um, that, that apathy can become worrisome. You can start to worry if your skills aren't there to meet that challenge. And so as photographers, put this in a f- photography context, when we're just starting out, learning the camera, learning what the basic fundamentals of photography are, because they're very complicated, you know, F-stops, shutter mm-hmm. speeds, ISO, all of this stuff, um, it can be really uh, uh stressful. And so as your skills slowly develop, if you're out there trying different things with your photography, you're going to kind of progress up this side of the graph from apathy to worry to anxiety. So if your skills don't increase, um, as the challenges become more and more difficult, you become very, very anxious. But as your skill increases, it becomes exciting. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. And in fact, when you're talking about being out there, uh, especially as a beginning photographer, but it, it still happens now, there's also a sense 
that I run into, which is I don't know as much about photography as these other people who I'm with, you know, or you just run into somebody who, who just seems to have it all together. And, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's imposter syndrome. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's just that, that sense of, you know, look, I know that I know a lot about cameras and the technology and, you know, I've been shooting for years and yet there will be times when, you know, you're saying worry and anxiety and, uh, you know, I, I still experience that because this guy seems to know what he's really doing and I'm looking out and my camera doesn't seem to be on the right setting or the light isn't where I'm, I'm thinking that it should be. I can't put a composition together to save my life and the worry and the anxiety takes over. Is that also like feeding into that? It's an important component. And I, you know, we use words like worry and anxiety and they're, they're negative words, right? We're not usually associating them with something, with something creative and good. But in this case, if you don't increase the challenge, if you don't add anxiety and worry and the stress of not knowing what you're doing, if you don't increase that challenge, you, you don't approach flow state because you're not actually, there's no motivation for you to increase your skills. If you were to follow this graph, kind of come back to this graph, if you were to just increase your skills, but you don't actually try anything different, you know, let's use a, just a general example. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're a, um, a macro photographer and you take photos of uh, a flower out in your garden and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I think it's a mm-hmm. great way to take photos. But if you photograph that same flower over and over and over and your skill level increases, you get better and better at that because you do get better as you practice and as you get more familiar with that camera and you keep looking at your work and and improving on it, um, eventually you're probably going to get bored of taking photos of that flower. And so on this graph, when you move from apathy where you don't care uh, and you start increasing skill, you eventually get bored. Uh, And then when you move past boredom, uh, you get into relaxation. And in this case, relaxation isn't a good goal because you're not challenging yourself anymore. You're not thinking about how you can be better. You're just enjoying the skills that you have. And I don't think any part of this graph is a bad thing, Jeff. I think that people who are learning something like photography, which is very complicated. And one of the reasons why it's so rewarding is because it's so complicated. Yeah. As you progress in skills and as you increase the the things that you're doing, so that you increase that challenge component, um, you're, you're growing. This is all good. <laughs> this is all good. Uh, being <laughs> in the flow state is sort of the end goal, but all of this is progression. And so, if you if you have a lot of skills and let me say maybe you have a lot of technical aptitude um, and you're uh, you know a master of the camera and you start mm-hmm. to add in harder and harder types of photography, more difficult lighting, more challenging you know, subject matter, um, being able to increase your skills to meet those challenges moves you further up this graph, and so we get to excitement, we get to control. And these are areas where proficient photographers, people who've been doing this for a long time, they'll either fall into that excitement or control. And excitement is sort of like, hey, this is really challenging. I'm having a lot of fun. I don't know if I've got the skills necessarily to meet the challenge, but I'm, I'm trying. 
Uh, and then control mm-hmm. is sort of the, the more um, skilled side of it. You're uh, meeting the challenges that are in front of you with so much aptitude that you're, you got it dialed every time. Uh, if you can just increase the challenge a little bit so it's a little bit more exciting, <laughs> then you're getting into flow yeah. state. So that's that upper right-hand corner of the graph is when um, your skills meet the, the challenges and you increase the skill, you keep increasing the challenges. And this is key. To reach flow state, it has to be really hard. You have to struggle to get to that point. And this is one of the things in the research that uh, these scientists did was they found that people who were doing things that were very, very difficult were the ones who were achieving flow state because they had to develop skills to make these difficult tasks doable. And so with photography... One of the things I've really loved about photography is there's always something more to do. There's always things to try. And having yeah. other photographers out there who are doing things that blow our minds, um, it's inspirational. And so you're like, man, I want to try photographing um, you know, underwater. I want to try, you know, I'd love to go diving and photograph underwater. I've never done it. It would be really so different from anything else that I've done. That's going to require some skills that I don't have. You just want to do that because it's because it, it, if it's underwater, you are actually in a flow state. Oh, that could be it. <laughs> <laughs> that could be it. So, <laughs> Jeff, what I'd like to do to further kind of dive into this because the the original question that we asked was, you know, what does it have to do with photography, and can yeah. we control this? Right. So, I'd like to break this down, Doctor Csikszentmihalyi had set up this sort of list of components of flow state. So these are characteristics of people who are in a flow state from all of his research. And they've been doing this for like 40 years now. Um, So I'm going to read down through these and then we're going to kind of come back around and talk about them and how they apply to photography and specifically how they've applied to us. So um, the first one on this list is the doer and the doing become one. And then the other characteristics are a sense of self disappears, uh, perception of time is altered, work becomes effortless, there's a powerful sense of control that's achieved, intrinsic motivation takes over, intense concentration develops, skills meet challenges, goals are clear, and feedback is immediate. Now, so a this lot is of, this list that they've come up with. Yeah. Now, a, a lot of this sounds like being, you know, in the zone. That's that's like one one term that I've heard, um, which I, you know, I, I think is kind of a sports zone. But hopefully, we've all had some kind of 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 experience in the zone where you're just focused on something, and. Sometimes that'll happen to me when I'm shooting photos. Sometimes that'll happen to me when I'm working, when I'm I'm writing or I'm doing page layout or something like that. Uh, but this sounds a little bit different than just being in the zone, right? It is. I think that it's a larger kind of wider view of in the zone. When people talk about being in the zone, it doesn't sound deliberate. It sounds... Um, Almost like it's a lucky uh, serendipity that I happens fell into when it. you're doing something. Yeah, I fell into the zone, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but what we're talking about here with flow state is something that we, we attain, we, we try for. And I think that I've always viewed this, before I started learning about flow state, I always viewed it as a benefit of doing photography was sometimes I would get to be in this flow state, which is incredibly satisfying. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's worth talking about the benefits of being in a flow state. It, it really does amazing things to your brain because you're working at such a high level. And one of the things that they identified in the research, Jeff, which I thought was really interesting, is we have a limit of how much we can process in our brains in a particular time, right? So, oh, um, I know. Yes. Probably I has a lot. know this. Probably. <laughs> Probably changes with the amount of coffee you've had, but <laughs> <laughs> you have a certain amount of processing power, just like we talk about computers have processing power. So you have a certain amount of processing power when you're using all of that for one goal, for one task, that's where the flow state is happening. So we're really talking about intense focus. And I, I want to talk about this doer and doing becoming one. So basically the work that you're going for, the work that you're, you're working on is what you're all about at that, at that time. You're not thinking about um, anything else. There are no distractions. And this is, you know, going back to that term in the zone, this is, you're in a zone, right? Yeah. You're, you're focused on one thing, which in this life is really, really hard for me. It's hard for me to not be distracted by um, my kids or th- other things I should be doing with my time sure. uh, because photography is something that I do for me and it's for fun. Oftentimes when I'm out in the field, Jeff, I, I feel guilty that I'm just doing something for me yeah. and that can be a distraction that can keep me from achieving a flow state. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to be one with my work unless I'm feel free to be one with my work. Right. Does that make sense? It, uh, totally. Well, and even, you know, speaking of distractions, sometimes, I'll be shooting and or some technical thing will become a distraction, you know, like why is my camera not focusing on the area that I want where it should be? And that pop you right out. Uh, And so that's I feel like (laughs) I feel like my role in this discussion is really to, to, to point out all the things that are that are getting in the way of flow state. But, um, you know, that's that's the important part of the discussion, Jeff, because removing removal of these distractions are what lead to flow state. Uh Aha. You can't have focus. Focus isn't the denial of distractions. Focus is the overcoming of distraction. So one of the things we're going to talk about in this podcast is. How do you dress for the outdoors? Because there's nothing more distracting than being wet and cold. You're not gonna, <laughs> you're not gonna be creative if you're wet and cold or or too hot. Oh and yeah. And so you know these distractions are all things we can mitigate. So let's let's pick one uh, just out of the air, if you will. Um, my camera's not focusing the way I'd, I expect it to focus. Yeah. I face this. I have a Sony. I use Sony cameras, and you use Fuji cameras, and so we both have cameras that have very complicated focusing systems. And thank God, because our eyes aren't what they used to be. Right, right. <laughs> there are times when I'm trying to focus on something. Maybe it's a bird in flight, and I'm really struggling with that. I've had to stop and, you know, say, you know what? I don't know how to work my camera in this particular instance, and mm-hmm. um, that is an obstacle. Right. That's where our skill is not meeting the challenge. Right. To, to, to go back to that graph. So I've had to sit at home sitting, you know, in my front of my house where the crows are flying around. And I'm like, OK, I'm going to go through all of these focus modes and I'm going to figure this out in a no stress, no expectations environment where I <laughs> I'm not trying to make a great photo. I'm just trying to learn my camera. Yeah. And this is the type of work that you have to do to develop that skill set to meet the challenge. And one of the things that I love about photography 
is it involves a human technology interface, right? We're cyborgs, right? We're, <laughs> we're using technology to achieve our goal. You know, I, I oftentimes will equate uh, photography or any of the visual arts with music because I'm, I'm a huge fan of music. And when I watch a musician um, making amazing music, I don't think about their instrument. I just think about the music that they're making. Yeah. And, and how amazing they are. But the truth is, if you're really into listening to somebody play amazing guitar, they're not going to be very entertaining if they don't have a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> if they're just making twanging sounds with their mouth, yeah. it's not going to be as good. I've noticed, especially you, know, you brought up that concert, uh, watching professional musicians is not something that I did much growing up, uh, You know, really just didn't have much interest in live music didn't wasn't exposed to much of it now that i've seen some like when you see a a guitarist on stage um especially somebody who's either with a band for a long time or somebody who like this is his job like his gig is to play guitar on this tour it's amazing to watch them because what they are doing is extremely complicated and you know that She's not up there thinking A, D, F sharp, you know, blah, 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 mm-hmm. um, because like there's just no way to break it down like that. It becomes just second nature. Like they know where to put their fingers. They know where this this thing is and then how to manipulate the sound. I mean, that's got to be flow state in that sense, because just like you said like like the doer and the doing become one you're you're not looking at a person playing a guitar you're looking at a person making music exactly exactly and that that's photography too right so when you're looking at you know watching youtube videos about f- photographers out making uh, amazing photographs yeah when you watch a photographer work they're not sitting there scratching their head looking at their camera going i wonder what that does you know it, there, <laughs> there's no there's almost no conscious thought involved the camera is an extension of your will and that's what we want as a photographer is we want to get so good at our technology we want to master our technology to the point where it's no longer a distraction from the doing mm-hmm. and because we rely on technology in the process, we have to know it. And there are lots of people who say, oh, it's not about the gear. And I, I, I hear this a lot in photography. It's not about the gear. It is. It's absolutely about the gear because we don't make photos without the gear. <laughs> uh, we're just people standing around looking at the sunset if we don't have the gear. So right, right. We, we have to know this stuff. One of these characteristics that they identify in flow state is that work becomes effortless. And I think when we're talking about camera gear uh, and photographic gear, that removing the effort that is involved in choosing the proper f-stop for the look that you're going for, or the shutter speed for the uh, effect that you're you're looking to get, it's all part of matching your creative vision with what you're seeing on your screen. And I would like to talk about that because one of the things that I love about this discussion of flow state is that the goals are clear and that feedback is immediate. I love looking at the photos that I take in the field while I'm doing it. I chimp like crazy, Jeff. I don't know if you do, but I am. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the great things about mirrorless cameras over DSLRs and over, especially definitely over film cameras, is I can look in the EVF. If it's a sunny day, I don't have to 
shade the LCD screen on the back. I can just put my right. eye to the EVF and I can see exactly what I got. I can zoom in and check and make sure my focus is right. I can mm-hmm. look at highlights to make sure my didn't blow up my highlights. I have this immediate feedback that is absolute. I know exactly what I got and I have an idea of what I want. My goal is clear and my feedback's immediate. So if I did something wrong, I can make that correction really quick and get back to doing what I was doing. And you can't do that with a film camera. <laughs> you know, we're really living in a, in a very magical age with digital cameras where you have this immediate feedback. It's, a, it's an incredibly part, an important part of this flow process. I keep looking at the back of my film camera, and it just refuses to show me an image. I don't understand. Now, now okay, I, I want to push back just a little bit because what I'm hearing here, um, and I, I mean – I don't disagree at all, uh, but we've really talked a lot about about the technical aspect of, of of knowing your gear and being one with your camera and and all that stuff. And so I I also want to make a distinction between knowing everything about your camera because th- there's also the tendency, and and I think this is a limiting thing for some people that's. I can't really go out and shoot unless I know everything about my camera. I need to know all the mm. menus. I need to know, you know, exactly how the autofocus system works to use your example. And like that can be super limiting because suddenly either a I don't know everything about my camera because my camera is a highly complicated uh computing device, right? It's not just mm-hmm. something yeah. that just just lets light in. But there's also that aspect of even if I do get to that that encyclopedic knowledge of of how my camera works, I still feel like that only puts us down at the bottom part of the graph the the boredom and not not apathy but you know it's it's super high on the skill level mm-hmm. and am I going to if I learn everything about my camera, does that make me a good photographer? And obviously, I think mm. the answer is no. It makes you a good technical – gives you a good technical foundation. But then we have to go somewhere from there, right? Exactly. And I would use a guitar as an example. You know, let's use this analog, right, of, of a guitar. Okay. Comparing it to a camera. Um, I, I know how to pick up a guitar and make it make sound. I I know that I can put (laughs) my fingers on certain frets and by pushing on the string against that little metal bar on the neck of the guitar, Mm -hmm. um, that it it changes the sound that the string makes when I strum the strings. Right. I can't make music with a guitar. (laughs) I just make noises, right? (laughs) Same here. So, you know, knowing how your camera works is knowing the mechanics of the device, but it's not making music, right? right? The music is in the photography, it's in composition, it's in uh, artistic vision. You know, are you going to make something that's, uh, it's original? Are you going to make something that's honest and true to what you want? Right. That's, that's where the challenge is. Okay. So, so this brings up the next part of my question, which is, okay, we have the technical, we have the camera uh, knowledge, right? Let's, let, let's mm-hmm. assume that we've achieved a a good state of technical knowledge about how the camera works 
and now we want to we want to move up in the the challenge of of our our graph so now i go out to shoot somewhere and now i'm faced with a bunch of other technical challenges because i need to know about composition i need to know mm-hmm. uh like I know how to point my camera and I know how to click the shutter and I have a good idea that if I keep the shutter speed high enough, I'm not going to make everything too overexposed. But then that doesn't really give me a good picture guaranteed. It's, it's not like, okay, I've done X, Y, Z and voila, now I can make a a, a good image. So where where skills are meeting challenges also has to apply to f- photographic knowledge right so i have to know yeah. about light and exposure and uh you know composition i think is probably a really good example because it it's the type of thing where my brain knows composition but i will go out somewhere and i won't see a composition or i'm i'm hunting for something that needs to be a foreground element. And I've found that there are also times when I don't think about composition at all because something mm-hmm. is there. So right. my the question that I'm that I'm leading to, very, very long lead up to the question is when I get to that point, am I just getting lucky because there's a good composition there? Or is it because I have this this deeper knowledge of composition, of how things interact. And I'll say, oh, you know what? This mountain on the left will balance nicely with this tree on the right. And you're <laughs> you're nodding at me like, like yes, you, you are getting the concept of flow state, right? Yeah. Like, well, yeah, it's, it's about I'm on being track nimble. here, yes? I think so, yeah. It's about being nimble. Um, I think one of the things that is easy to fall into when, when thinking about uh, growing and progressing as a photographer is this notion of being good at something. So what is, mm-hmm. what is a good photograph? That's completely subjective. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I have seen, I've gone to exhibits, it, you know, really nice art museums and I'll walk in and look at a photograph and I'll be like, I don't get it. Uh-huh. But somebody Somebody who knows a lot about art saw that and said, wow, that needs to be on the wall of this museum. And it's so I, I just because I don't get it doesn't mean it's a bad photo. It just didn't speak to me. Right. And so one of the things I think that's really great about photography, just like music, right, to keep going back to that. Sure. Is it, it just sometimes that song just doesn't sound good to somebody's ears. Right. But a photograph, it's really pleasing when it, it's what you wanted. So I, what I would say, Jeff, as an answer to your question, um, when in, in regards to flow state and photography, do you have the skills to create the photo that you made in your mind when you stood there and looked at that scene? What uh. caught your eye about that scene? You know, you, let's just use the mountains. You know, we're, we're going to be doing a workshop in the Sierras here in a couple months. And I'm super excited. I've been thinking a lot about, you know, what to expect with that subject matter. Yeah. So let's say we're out in the morning and we have the sun is playing on the face of the amazing mountains uh, down there in, in California. And, you know, we've got these amazing rocks and all of this geology in the sky may be going off. What do I want out of that? 
And we're going to be leading a group of people that we know really well. Our participants are our friends in the workshop. Mm-hmm. Everybody in that group is going to have a different idea of what's a great photo in that situation. And if we're all lined up trying to make the same exact photo, then one person in that group is probably fulfilling their vision and everybody else is copying them, right? Yeah. But what we want to achieve flow state is where our skills are creating an environment where we can create exactly what we want to create. And part of this is the processing of this photo. We've been talking all about the capture side, but the truth is that there's two halves to taking a photograph or making a photograph. One is the capturing and one is the making on the computer is processing. Right. And so oftentimes as I get better at processing photos, it changes how I take photos And I spend a lot of time now going, okay, when I'm done, (laughs) it doesn't really matter what's on my screen because I know I got what I need to make what I want to make when I get home. And as your skills develop in both processing and in capture, your creative vision is going to expand and going to broaden so that you can see more. When you're in this field. And I do, I do think that as photographers, as we do this more and more and more, we see more, we see how light plays on reflective surfaces or how shadows, you know, one thing I've noticed in your work a lot lately, Jeff, is you're, you're really enjoying shadows and you're really getting into textures of shadows. And that's Mm -hmm. not something I'm really great at. I tend to see colors and light and stuff. And and you're like finding all these amazing patterns and textures in the shadows. Well, that's an expansion of your creative vision. You know, five years ago, that probably wasn't on your plate. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so your skills have increased and you're taking more risks. You're taking on more challenges. And so you're heading to that corner where the flow state is, right? Okay. So I'm really glad you brought that up because honestly, when we started today, I don't think I even thought about the post-processing as part of this because it doesn't feel like it's... It's the act of creating a photo. And I'm saying that like in quotes <laughs> and every letter is capitalized. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. And, and this is actually something that, that I've expressed in you know, tutorials that I've done and books that I've written. That sense of when you know what your software can do, so whether you're using Luminar or Lightroom or what have you, mm-hmm. that does change how I shoot in the field. I have a whole bunch of photos and it's great for what I do because I can say, look, here's this very blah, normal photo. And now I'm going to process it and make it look incredible. A lot of those are sort of blah and normal because I, I didn't want to overexpose it, for example. And so you'll Mm -hmm. have, you know, it's kind of a gray sky. Now, when I was there, there was, there was color, there was a lot more to it. But I knew that by making sure I didn't exceed a bad technical threshold, so I didn't overexpose Mm -hmm. the image, which would make it harder to work with or impossible to work with, I knew that I had the capability to bring out the color in those clouds that may have just been like a hint of it when I was there, or the camera only picked up a hint of it because of, you know, because I was shooting in RAW, but the, the, the image data is there. And I mean, now that you mention it, I think there have been times when I've felt 
a flow state while I'm editing because suddenly here's here's this image that I knew there was some possibility and then I realized, oh, I can bring some warmth in the rocks over here or I can add a highlight to this this crest of a wave and that really exposes like how the color comes through the water in a translucent way, those kind of things. So I'm really yeah. glad you brought that up because I would not have thought that at, at the beginning of today's uh, episode. Yeah, and I think that you know, as I learn about flow state and I saw this context, right? These, this list of characteristics, every single one of them, I can sit down and say that, you know, that speaks to the part of photography involving processing that speaks to the capture side that speaks to this, that speaks to that. And I think that, you know, I, I teach a lot of photography and I hear a lot of feedback from students saying, oh, I don't really like working on my photos on a computer. I like to get it right in camera, right? We've all heard that. Sure, yeah. You know, good for you. If that's if that's the way that you're, you find satisfaction in photography, if that's your goal, then that's a, that's a very good goal. And that's your goal. No yeah. one else can tell you what your goal is. Um, but for me, I really, I do find pleasure and satisfaction in processing my photos well. It's not my favorite part of the photographic process. I, I really enjoy being out in the field. But I have sort of gained a really strong appreciation for how much pleasure can come from processing a photo well. And one of the steps, Jeff, and I wanted, I wanted to talk about this in context with um, the capture side, but I think it applies to the processing side too. Mm -hmm. One of the steps in becoming a better photographer is learning when you need to say that's enough to the people who make the rules. And there's a lot of rules in photography that we're oh, all yeah. told when we're learning, you know, and composition and capture and all of this stuff. In processing, I remember um, way back when I started using Lightroom, which is years and years and years ago, um, I was told you shouldn't take those sliders past 20, 25 percent. You're really your photos are going to look unnatural if you push them too far. And one day I just was like, I don't know what it was. There's just one day where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try to push that thing to 100 and see what happens. And I <laughs> I'm going to fight the it. Adobe power. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to, you know, somebody in a video or something at one point had said, you know, you shouldn't do this. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And then I tried it and I was like, wait a second. That's more along the lines of what I want out of my photo. And once I sort of kicked over that rule and said, I'm going to do the way things the way I think they should be done. I enjoyed my, the photographic process more because I had one less restriction on how I was doing it. And I think that as I teach photography and I hear people give feedback about, well, I was told you can't do that. I hear that a lot. Mm -hmm. I was told you shouldn't do that. Well, that is something that's a distraction. And going back to this flow state you know, model, you have to eliminate distractions. And if there's a voice in your head that says that's not the way you should do it, and it's standing in the way of you doing something that you want to do, then get rid of it. Get rid of that distraction. And going back to this idea of us being able to control whether or not we get to flow state, part of this control is denying distractions and um, saying, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to go for it. And part of achieving higher level of performance is, is taking higher levels of risk. And so, you know, this is where the challenges come in. If you're, if you're not going to try something wild and different, then you're not going to achieve something wild and different. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
one of the things I also want to point out based on what you just said is the fact that when you're editing, everything is non-destructive. And I don't know if, if people really get a grasp of this, but you can absolutely yank all those sliders up to 100 and it may be terrible and you can always pull them back. You can always go mm-hmm. back. And so, you know, like let that be an opening for creativity because you can, I mean, this is your photo. You can make it look as garish and HDR overbaked as you want. And then hopefully, hopefully you'll see, oh, this is terrible. Bring it back. I mean, you have that, that control and that flexibility. Mm -hmm. And so this actually makes me think of, of, the the last part of this of this list uh talking about intrinsic motivation like what is 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 motivating you to go crazy with that image or not with that image obviously there is a particular way a photo should look for it to be a good photo right that's how things work like oh well if your photo <laughs> doesn't have this this you know three zones and your your horizon line has to be exactly in the top third then it's not a good photo right right or have yeah. i just <laughs> you're looking at me yeah, like there are those there are those rules again Beth. Those are rules. <laughs> you're looking at me like so, yeah. you have learned nothing you've heard nothing that i've said today <laughs> no i i think this is a good way to to sort of put a bow on this is yeah. um to come back and remind everybody that we're talking about photography as a personal expression, as a personal pursuit, as a lifestyle choice, right? That mm-hmm. this is something we're doing because we want to be satisfied and have fun. It's, it's fun. Yeah. And so intrinsic motivation, what that means is it only matters to you. It, it, your self-motivation, the process of doing this is just to please you. And that's enough motivation to keep you going. Obviously, if you're a job as a photographer and you're a real estate photographer and your client says, I want the photos to look a certain way, your motivation is going to be extrinsic. I don't know if right. that's even a word, but it's going to be external and it's going to be like, this is the product I'm going for. And that's a totally different experience. But we're talking about going out. No one's sending you out. You're going out and you're going to try to create a photograph that satisfies you creatively. There are rules in photography that are worth following. You know, uh, there are photographs that I look at that I find incredibly pleasing and I can point out what I like about them. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said before, though, somebody else might see it totally differently. But when I go to make photographs, I'm not thinking about what people are going to think of that photo. I'm thinking about what I think about that photo and what I want it to look like. Yeah. If I can achieve that goal, it's incredibly satisfying. It's, it is an affirmation that I've, the money I've spent on all this camera gear, the money I've spent on the travel, the time and the energy and the, sometimes the suffering, the early, early mornings, you know, Mm -hmm. all of that pays off in an amazing photo and you sit back and you get it done on your computer and you lean back and we've all done this. I hope you lean back in your chair and you go, that was worth it. That yeah. was a good shot. And I want to add in a lot of what you said is, is focusing on the image, but I think that you know the the intrinsic motivation of of you know having a good experience 
also has to get thrown in there too. And, you know, again, this is one of the things that we're going for with this podcast is, yes, the photo may be great, but also I want to enjoy doing this, even on those mornings. And you know me, I am not a morning person in any sense. (laughs) But when we're on a workshop or if I'm, you know, specifically getting up early to go do a photo shoot, I do enjoy that. It may not look like it until I've had some coffee, but that's part of the experience. That's part of the adventure. That's part of the, I'm doing something different than what I normally do. And so Mm -hmm. that contributes as much as all the stuff we've talked about with knowing your gear and technical knowledge of photography and all of that. You have to wrap in that sense of, look, I am somewhere that I've never been before or this this sky could be the best sunrise that I've seen in this spot that I've shot 50 times. And that just seems so important in all of this. Absolutely. Uh, you know, that is, if you're talking about flow state, that the and we achievement are. of flow state, <laughs> and we are, Sorry. the achievement of flow state is enough of a goal. You know, and I've said mm. this on our first episode, we we're talking about, why we're doing this, the process of making photos being pleasurable and being satisfying is part of the product. So if the product of this process, use that too much, the product of this process is the fact that we had a flow state, a a very good experience. There are some significant physical benefits to this. So when you achieve flow state, you're using all of your skill to meet a challenge and you achieve this flow state. It's incredibly satisfying. You have this intense feeling of control. You have this intense feeling of being good at something. Mm -hmm. It releases chemicals in your brain. You get dopamine and a whole bunch of other stuff that actually it will make you live longer. (laughs) The more you can achieve flow state, the happier you'll be as a person. There are people who talk about in this research, they talk about, you know, I was in flow state and I actually felt better for days afterwards, you know, I experienced a fuller life because of this, this moment of flow state. So even if we took the card out of our camera and pitched into the ocean, (laughs) it was worth doing because we got this, this experience of being, you know, in this, in this zone, right in this moment. And I think that that is something that's oftentimes lost in the photographic process is we're focused on the product is people, are people going to like my picture? And the truth is that's, that can be important, but if you miss this opportunity to have this great experience because you're worried about, you're distracted by the expectations that you're placing on it, then you're leaving a lot on the table. I'm really glad you mentioned that because one of the first things that I thought of early on when you were talking about flow state was that addictive sense, you know, somebody will say, well, I took up photography, right? But I think more often what I hear is, well, I caught the photo bug. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because you experienced that, that kind of flow state at one point and you want to chase that. So yes, I am, I am always chasing a good image, but now that we've talked about this, 
like I realized that no, I'm also chasing those experiences. I'm chasing that focus, that overall sense of look, what I'm doing, I'm enjoying and I'm doing it well. And I want that to happen again. I want I want that to happen again and again and again. I'm gonna go on more workshops. I'm gonna go on more photo shoots, you know? And I I think I had never really thought about it in those terms. Like so many things that stimulate those parts of the brain, you're like, yeah, I want to do this again. Sure, I'll get up at 4.30 in the morning and drag myself to a location an hour away. Like from a rational point of view, my brain, like good God, no, I don't want to do that. But I know Mm. what's going to be at the end of that trip and it can be awesome. And so I'll do it. Yeah, it's going to be a big reward, big payoff. You know, I'm curious to know what the people out there have experienced with this. You, you know, now that we've put a name to it, for, for so long I sort of just saw that this is, you know, just having a great time out making photos. But yeah, um, now that we know that it's something that is well-defined, has uh, characteristics that we can chase, is something that we can strive for, is this something that people have experienced? Is this something that, uh, is this a component of photography for folks? We're going to put in the show notes, we're going to put this graph that we've been talking about. We're going to put a li- this list of characteristics. I'm going to put some links to some websites that talk more about flow state. And there are some wonderful books. Uh, Dr. Chick sit me high. I said that again, one more time, uh, has written a couple of great books about flow state. One specifically is about creativity and flow state and it's well worth a read. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. I really do think that this is a way for photographers or anybody who's creative to open up a whole new, um, level of performance and enjoyment, uh, with what we do. We all could use that these days. We all could use a little bit more satisfaction and enjoyment. <laughs> this is a great way to kind of look at your photography as um, a progression and as a, an experience and a process that can be incredibly satisfying and healthy. Photocombobulate.com is the website where you'll find our show notes, this diagram, and there will also be links to our Twitter and Instagram accounts. And reach out and tell us what you have experienced in this this realm. Absolutely. Also uh, worth mentioning is this is a new podcast, and we would really appreciate if you tell your friends about it. Uh, we are kind of relying on people to help us spread the word organically. If you would like to make a comment or review on Apple's podcast app, um, we'd sure appreciate it. The more of those we get, the better we do in their um, machine <laughs> thinking. So uh, <laughs> right. we do appreciate any of the feedback you could give, uh, any of the ratings. And on our website, photocombobulate.com, there's also a contact page. If you have an idea for an episode or you have a question or comment you'd like to make, go ahead and fill out that form and we'll get to Jeff and I and we'll uh, be sure to talk about it on a future episode. So please uh, subscribe and tell everybody that you know because it makes a big difference in uh, getting us to grow and, and keep talking about these things. Thank you. 